to the board game community show. I'm your host, Riley Starr. Join me as I get to know folks in this community. They could be designers or streamers, podcasters, YouTubers, publishers, whatever. Really anything with a nerd at the end of its title is welcome here on the board game community show. Show, show. Welcome back to the Board Game Community Show. Today, I am completing my set of Board Game Hot Takes uh, co-hosts. Well, there's like three three of you, right? Adam. Adam from Board Game Hot Takes. Hi, everyone. Thanks for having me, Riley. Great to be here. What an introduction, huh? <laughs> that was fantastic. And it's. I'm sorry it took me so long to come on. I know you've been uh, asking for a while. I've been busy, man. The holidays have been getting to me. So I'm here. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Well... Technically, I reached out to you in December, I think, just as the holidays were kicking off. And I was like, oh, this won't be until later. So I was just putting you on notice. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> really? Yeah. It, it like happened almost immediately once we started to set a date. Sure. That's, we'll go with that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> but Board Game Hot Takes is a podcast where you pick a game and you all play it virtually every week and review it. I mean, there's been two other co-hosts on here. If people haven't heard it, go listen to those episodes with Tim and Chris. But I'm excited to have you on here. Yeah, I'm, it's great. Well, you might say we tell you how a game felt just minutes after playing it. <laughs> Someone might say that. Someone might say that. It's always interesting. And I really, really like that. You know, people have talked about the value of a review based on immediate reactions versus after 10 plays. And what do you prefer when you look at a review? Well, I think this is something you touched on too with Tim and Chris also. And it's kind of the idea Tim, you know, came up with. And I think it hits kind of a sweet spot in podcasting. There's a lot of reviews that look back and tell you about the games they played last week or whatever. And for us, yeah, we we play a game, we give it a shot, and we get that immediate reaction. So I think that's something we offer that's a little bit unique, which I appreciate. And I think it was Chris or probably both these Chris and Tim were talking about it, that there's so many games out there coming out on a – a weekly and a monthly basis that if you play a game once or twice and you're not really feeling it, you probably won't go back to it. If there's so many other options, you're going to stick with something, you know, and you love, and that's, that's fun for you. So it gets a little tough, like trying to read the rules and learn a new game every week or every couple of weeks, especially if you're getting pulled in a few different directions. I have a new little baby, and we're working and this and that. So same as everybody else. But I love it. You know what? I love learning a new game and, and trying it out, see how it feels. Each game gives you such a different feeling on the brain. And it's been nice to kind of see what that is and take a look at it and try to analyze it and express it for other people to hear about. So I really enjoy the way we're doing it. 
Yeah, I really like it. It's my preferred review type because, yeah, like you said, you may not get it to the table ten times. You, but you are definitely going to get it to the table once. Well, hypothetically, <laughs> once. Right, and I think it's kind of nice. Like uh, I don't know. I think about that old movie review show, the Siskel and Ebert. And those guys would watch a movie and they just talk about it and they just give their immediate thoughts. I know board games. You know, they're not directly comparable to movies. Every time you go back and play a board game, you'll get maybe a different story. Or you watch a movie, usually you're getting the same story out of it. You might see something new on subsequent views of a movie or interpret it in a different way. But um, I don't know. I just think that that initial impression is is going to last through subsequent plays. Although you might find, you know, like I already said, nuances, discoverable things that you didn't pick up on on first blush. Well, which kind of comes up to, in a recent episode, I think this week's episode, which is like two weeks from when this airs, okay. uh, you talked about Azul and like how you've just honed in on the like analytics of it. Was that too, I don't know. I feel like the guys that are good at Azul are being like this moron. He doesn't even know what he's talking about. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's his you know, I feel like that's a progression. So that's where I'm, that's how I'm looking at it now. And then as I play more and more and more, there'll be new things that I'll pick up on. And so now I'm starting to look at just as another side note, you know, as the tiles come out in that first round, you want to look at, okay, how can you score on rows one, two, and three and what's available now versus what's going to be available later in the game. So maybe you want to try to fill in that fourth and fifth row. I'm, I can see you're getting bored already. Who wouldn't be getting bored besides me? Oh, I'm not bored. I was <laughs> repositioning my legs. <laughs> yeah, everyone's falling asleep, including both of your legs. So, <laughs> um, Anyway, there's just more and more you can think about the more you play. What, the, what on the surface seems like a very casual, light game. And I have been enjoying taking this deep dive into Azul. And that's like Board Game Arena has been providing that opportunity to play which has been great yeah i think that's really really cool because it's like there's so many games that seem straightforward but then you can start to pick it apart and be like well if i pay attention to this it's like counting cards essentially right exactly right and and it's fascinating that you can do that with a more complex game a simple game like everything I think has some sort of strategy that can be developed. Right. I, I mean, do you do that with any games? Is that like a, I don't know if that's a normal thing. I'm sure everyone has some games that they kind of they meet their brain in the middle really well, and they can kind of latch onto it and really break down what's going to happen and see it coming. And do you have any games like that that do that for you, Riley? That's a good I'm question. That I'm I turning it around on you. I'm turning around on you. Yeah. I like have to look backwards at my games. <laughs> There's like, Oh, what is it? it might be that abstracts kind of lend themselves to, to that, or maybe like Spirit Island, the more you play that, and the more you can kind of see the future and what's going to happen and how things are going to kind of domino effect. Well, that was actually an interesting thing with Spirit Island that I was seeing a few people posting before you got the expansions, things got very predictable. You know, there's only a few possibilities and... And once a card comes out, then you're like, okay, well, now I know that it's only going to be one of these lands that gets affected, or it could be one of these, you know, like each of the subsequent rounds kind of gets a little bit more predictable, Uh, but then the expansions really blow that up. But Calico last year, I played a ton of Calico and I analyzed the crap out of that one because it was like, 
okay, there's only X amount of these tiles. So I need to pay attention to everybody's board and see what's out there and, you know, figure out how many, what are my odds? How many tiles are going to be left at the end of the game based on our player count and blah, 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 blah. And so I got very analytical on that one, but it doesn't help me that much (laughs) because it's Calico. And that's the same with Azul. I have all these numbers and stuff. I still get my butt kicked on a regular basis. So, yeah. Though I guess the next step, and I think I was starting to do this. I haven't played Calico in a while, is making that, like analyzing that and then coming up with alternatives being, you know, uh, plan B. Okay. Oh, this didn't come out there. This isn't coming up, but this one might be just as good. So I can take that and try for another strategy. Refining your, your code there. There you go. Yeah, exactly. It's cool. Yeah. I, I like that you, you get into that. Do you find that you normally get into that, that analytical side? I have to be careful. Cause, um, you know, like with, that's why I don't really like a game like chess because that's where my brain will want to go. It'll want to look at, okay, this pawn can do this. And what are all the counter moves to that? And what are my counter moves to that? And the counter, counter, counter. Oh, well, that doesn't look good. What if I move my, my knight? So my brain will want to like try to analyze everything and it'll realize that I'm too dumb to be able to do that. You know, I can't like look at the ceiling and see all the moves play out on the, the from Queen's Gambit. I can't do yeah. that. But my brain will want to think that it can do that. And then I'll just get overwhelmed too quickly and too frustrated. So normally I don't do that. Normally I'll try to find a couple little weird things and maybe some exploit that maybe nobody else sees. And that's where I get a big thrill. in a lot of these games is like, Oh, what if you do this? And you can, maybe nobody noticed this yet. You can, combo this with this and this and this and then boom lots of points so or finding just strange little exploits something interesting that's what i like about a lot of these board games some little like in ankh for instance you have these movement rules where i think each character to move two spaces but if you gang up on a character and you cut off access to all the spaces that are two spaces away that guy can't move anymore so i just these like kind of uh, emergent cases in board games are what really, really gets me going. That's what I really enjoy. <laughs> that made me think of your Trekking the World episode where you just kind of played to be a jerk. <laughs> that, <laughs> it was you, like blocking people from moving, right? Like, <laughs> If you talk to Tim, he'll probably say, that's how I play every game. But oh, really? um, Well, just against Tim, maybe I'll do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's not necessarily true, but... He likes to point it out when it does happen. <laughs> but yeah, I just like noticing these little these little exploits. And that game is mean. Have you played Trek in the World? It's a you can totally block people and prevent so that's kinda why I like that game too. You can block spots and make people go around and do extra little turns and stuff. So it's really high up on my list because I mean, I've listened to the episodes backwards. So starting with the newest going to or yeah, starting with the newest going to the oldest. Uh-huh. So it was interesting hearing episodes i mean it was like six episodes after trekking the world and it was getting brought up and then it would get brought up the next episode and the next (laughs) episode and then i finally got to that episode and there was already so much hype in my mind because it was it was like oh cool this this is exciting because now i finally get to hear what it is that's funny it reminds me of memento you're listening to it memento style going backwards in time that's funny yeah (laughs) which normally it wouldn't matter because that you know each 
episode is its own game and then what you guys are playing. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted that's how I do it, I guess. But I try to bring in I think we all try to refer back to previous episodes. So there is a little bit of continuity and that's something I kind of enjoy too. Like, oh, you know, remember back in this episode, we talked about how this, well, here's the next kind of evolution or another thought based on that thought. And I like trying to tie it in like that too. Yeah. Well, memento style too, for that trekking the world, Tim was very tepid on the actual episode. Like it, he didn't love trekking the world. Right. But in right. subsequent episodes, he was like, this game is fantastic. This is one of my favorite games. Like I went out and bought it. And <laughs> Did he? I didn't know. Oh, I didn't. I don't remember that, but maybe good. I'm, I, maybe that was another one. I, you know, when you're binging episodes, sometimes things blur together. They do all blur. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Tim, if I misrepresented how much you liked trekking the world. Watch out on Twitter; he's going to come after you. Ah, dang it! <laughs> Marvel United Two here. Oh, this here we is go. The second feud. <laughs> I try um, to stay, I try to stay clean of the whole Marvel unit. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay you know it's our it's our fun feud between the two podcasts mm-hmm. but do you play with your wife did your wife play with you so sarah so going back to cornell who was my ex from i don't know five six years ago she bought me terraforming mars and that kind of was my intro into modern board gaming so we'd play that all the time. Um, she played Star Wars Rebellion a little bit with me, but a lot, a lot, a lot of Terraforming Mars, a little bit of Sentient. So off and on, she wasn't always willing to play a board game all the time as you know, as, as much as me, which is a lot of people aren't willing to play board games that much. So, But Terraforming Mars all the time. We had a year where almost every morning we'd set it up, get it going, and then we'd play once, if not twice, and it was just awesome. And then Sarah. Are who, you? I assumed you were married. Sorry. Are you married? I'm not married. Okay. Not married. My bad. Yeah. That's all Your good. Significant other. <laughs> My significant other, Sarah, she is really into board games and she's all over. She's on Twitter. She, she likes them a lot. So we play Star Realms all the time. She's getting into Azul. She likes trekking the world. Almost every new game, I guess she wants to try it. And I was going to call some games and she said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Don't call those until I have a chance to try them. So I was like, "Heck yeah, I, I won't, I won't do anything, sir." So she is, she has the bug for sure, which is fantastic. Oh, that's wonderful! That's really yeah. awesome. You and your wife play a lot of board games. Yeah, when I can get her. The other Hot day, cold. yeah, yeah, I set up Sagrada in bed, and she was like, "I'm not gonna play with you." <laughs> and I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna set it up and." Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe I'll roll the dice and you can pick one or two. And, and so I had to like trick her into it, but she'll play every other week. I think every other weekend I get a game or two in. That's good. Take what you can get, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's fine. Whatever. It's right. Whatever. <laughs> um, in, and I, this is a question that was inspired by you guys. And so you're going to be the first one. This is the new one. This is this the is new, new one. Yeah. All right. I teased it. We were playing, Welcome to uh, with I was playing with all these guys and Jeff Millen and I teased a question. So here we go. All right. I'm ready. I was listening to the episode where you talked about what makes board games fun for you. Mm-hmm. Tim brought up how he really likes people to have fun. And so he might change his play style a little bit to 
to make sure that everyone's having fun. Uh-uh. And because if you know people are hating it, then then it's not as fun. So in an ideal situation, if it was playing how you wanted and everybody else was playing the same way, what would be the style that you would be playing in? Does that make sense? Is that a weird question? <laughs> this is a weird. This is a great question. I love this question and just the whole the whole premise of it. So I can play any game. And if it's with the right group of people, I will have, it could be the the worst game ever mechanism wise, or I always say mechanic. I feel like I'm, you know, at the car shop mechanism wise. And I'll have fun if the guys at the table, you know, you know, we can rag on the game or even if I don't like it and they're having fun, I'll still, I'm not going to try to bring down the table at all. I'm going to try to bring it up and liven things up and keep it happy and keep it going. I just want to be around people that I enjoy being around. And the game for me is more of a medium to make that happen. But if we're, if we're just forgetting all that and we're getting to the game, it's going to be, so, you know, a game like Eclipse, I love it. It has a, has a definite arc to it. At the beginning, you're kind of exploring these planets and you're looking at what the other guys are doing, how many resources they have, what techs they're getting, how are you going to counter those techs, how they're building their ships. And you got to build, you got to counter all that. You got to think of your own little empire and how it's going to expand and how are you going to gain points from all these different ways of gaining points in that game. And then you say, say oh, you know, hey, you got to watch out over here. This guy's going to come in. He's going to sweep through the whole galaxy. Look at her. She's got these amazing ships. I'm, it's going to be tough to get in a battle with her over there because she'll just blow you out of the water. So, And then you might have to bring something up to the other people at the table and make these little soft alliances to kind of work together and stop. You know, there's Usually you can tell who's got the most points in that game. And you know, you'll be able to watch out. We got to counter what they're doing. So a game with a lot of discussion and heads up and looking at the map and looking at other players and having some dialogue with the other players that's not just BSing about what happened yesterday, but that's focused on the game. I think that is my ideal kind of game. It's I don't like mean games necessarily. I like games that promote discussion and strategy and a little bit of wheeling and dealing, maybe. But, um, you know, games where we have to point out what are you or talk about what's going on with other players at the table are, is my bread and butter. I think, does that make right. sense as an answer? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like a social experience, but, uh, but, but a very involved in experience. And again, and know your audience. If, uh, if the audience isn't really too into some sort of deep strategy game and they're just there to hang out with people, then, then go that way. And that's fine yeah. too. I'll, I'll love that too. And the game can kind of promote just these little dopamines hit and a casualness to the conversation or some laughter. And um, so, yeah, I don't know. That's why board games are great, man. You can use them for heads down, get into this thing, try to solve the puzzle, which is what I know Tim likes a lot. Or you can use them for this whole interactive experience that's kind of focused on this one thing. Or you can just use it as a tool to bring people together just to hang out and talk about what's been going on this entire last week or the last month and I don't know. Does that make sense for a little bit of elaboration there? Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense to me. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's well, a what about you now? variety. Yeah, what about you? Do you have, same question for you. That's such an interesting question. What's your kind of 
ideal board game situation and what do you hope to get out of it? So I do play very, very friendly because I don't play with as many people who are passionate about board games as me, which is why I end up playing a lot of co-op games. But I really like that because it's like as a team, we get to try and figure out the puzzle. Um, But in a very ideal situation i think i would get to be all out to let loose and really focus and try to be as competitive as possible nice talk trash have fun at the table you know like and have nobody get their feelings hurt yep perfect that's cool we got to get you to a con or something man we gotta we gotta meet up and get you in the circle at the table i know right that's what i want let's do it (laughs) (laughs) next uh TimCon or whatever it is. <laughs> right. Um, where are you? You're in. I'm in Long Beach. Oh, Long Beach. Okay. You're the one that stayed behind, right? I'm still, I'm the one that got left behind. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause we've got Chris up in Portland mm-hmm. and then Tim moved down to Arizona to Scottsdale. Correct. That's all correct. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. Crazy. I, I, you're the only person I'm probably not heading over to at any time soon. <laughs> I know. Isn't that sad? <laughs> yeah. Like Portland, I go to for work. Scottsdale, I've got family down in that area. So, sorry. Sorry, Adam. We'll make it happen one of these days, Riley. Yeah, for sure. I skipped this because I was just having fun with you. What got you into board games? So, growing up, we always played. Uh, we had a little board game origin story on one of the episodes. But my mom was always playing with me, whether it was these triominoes i don't know if you ever saw those they're like triangle dominoes with little they're kind of for kids little shapes little animals or something you kind of match them up and i don't know if you got points or if it was just a fun activity to do and then there was mr big mouth it was this rotating pac-man chomper guy and you try to fling these little kind of like tiddlywinks into his mouth as he was spinning away and it took a little bit of skill you had to have the right finesse on this little catapult essentially to launch this little thing into this mouth and if you could get it right when he was rotating away into the corner of his mouth you felt really good to get that extra one in there you know and then you count how many he got in his mouth after he was done rotating for like a minute and then my family played this game called Tripoli. it was like a combo between like poker and like a like a ladder game where you're playing like a two and then a four and then a pair of fours and a pair of fives and then it had these little chips and you play this little bit of a poker situation too going on and so that would my grandpa would get into that my mom my dad and grandma and so we'd all it'd be like a family activity everybody would be playing it and we did a lot of monopoly christmas time monopoly would come up so it was just the more i think about it, it was kind of integrated into my growing up and always had a good time doing it and my dad later on got a, a little more serious game. He had Starship Troopers was an old school game that for a while was out of print. And he looked up the price one time and it was like 200, 250 bucks. Now it's like 30 bucks because it's a bad game, I think. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and then there was another Parker Brothers game that we played, Conquest of the Empire, I think it was. And that one was pretty serious. Had these little figures and a whole little economy and inflation going on. Sorry if they're... Sorry if there's like rumbling going on. I don't know what's going on out there. They're just tearing down your house. They're tearing down the house. Yeah. If any, I mean, I didn't, we edited this part out, but there's some construction happening at his house. So if there's any background noise, forgive it. <laughs> yeah. And I'll try to pause if I hear it going on so that you can chop it out. But cool. I think they're done for now. But so yeah, games were always just there. 
And then when Terraforming Mars came back, I realized how fun they were and how much I miss the tactile experience of moving these little pieces around, of having a map, of holding cards, of sitting around a table and just thinking about stuff with people. I don't know why it's so fun, but it's really just, it strikes the right chord for me. So the kind of that resurgence happened, I don't know when that was, 2017, 2018. And then I just got it really into it and hit it really hard. I mean, that sounds great. It's perfect. It's what got you in. That's what got me in. Yeah. Um, So, okay. Can I throw that back at you too? How did you get in board? Is it a recent thing? Were you always into them growing up? Or somewhat similar. I'm trying to think if I've talked about this on an episode, but it's, yeah, I'll, I'll go over it in case people haven't heard it. You haven't heard it. I'm sure. I don't think I have. So I grew up, like my grandparents, huge gamers, but it was always just like card games, Shanghai Rummy and, uh, you know, like Pig or just r- little games, roll them and whatnot. And so I think that kind of planted the seed. And then eventually I got really into video games. And then when I was, I was, uh, I grew up very religious and I went to like this singles church uh, and, one of the really big social aspects was a game night and they would have ticket to ride and settlers of Catan, right? The those classic intro games. And that got me into it. And then Marvel legendary. Eventually I saw that on a shelf and I thought that looks cool. I love Marvel. And so I picked that up and started to learn that and played it with my brothers and played it solo and just got obsessed with that game. I mean, I, I think that was my main game for like two, three years where I just collected everything that came out. I played it like once or twice a week. And and then eventually I just started adding other games. And it, it's interesting how with video games, with board games, I feel like there's a point where you can obsess about one game and then you start to experience other little games. And it yeah, you, it just all explodes from there. And you're like, it's very rare now that I play the same game twice in a month. Right. You know, I'm always changing what I'm playing. But yeah, that's that's how it was. And the church, let's see, I think that was eight and a half years ago that I started playing like Catan with that group. Okay. And then getting into all that other stuff. And it's really during the pandemic has even exploded a lot more. That's I think this pandemic has done wonders for a lot of people getting into the hobby because, you know, you're kind of at home and looking for something to do with one or two people that you see all the time. So it might be a good medium. So I don't know if that's been helping out with people getting into the hobby. I hope so. Yeah. Well, and we were, you know, things were starting to open up. And so we were like going out to bars and and hanging out with some new friends and then everything's shutting down again and so one of them knew that i did the this podcast and he was like hey uh why don't we do like a little barbecue and then you can introduce us to some board games we've never heard of awesome like yes (laughs) (laughs) of course i will do that (laughs) so i'm thinking welcome to might be the first one i show them because i think that's a pretty pretty good intro one maybe i i think so too it's got so much to do so many kind of fun things and it's not difficult 
But you do have that little competition of, oh man, how'd you get 95 points? I only had like 86 points. That's, what did you do? That's cool. So, and then if you play it again, people can try a different strategy and be like, oh, I'm going to do these parks or I'm going to do this like biz mailbox thing that I can do two houses now. So yeah, that might be a great intro game. And you have like 20 people play at the same time. So that's always fun. Yeah, exactly. Which we might do if, if we ever get to host a party, I was thinking that would be a, a game we would bust out with, you know, 15, 20 people. Mm. That'd be so crazy. So cool to do. Yeah. It'd be fun. Uh, yeah. Well, what is your favorite game? Oh gosh. This is the hardest question on the whole podcast. This is such a hard question. I think my favorite game right now is probably Dune Imperium. Oh, wow. I love that game. I had so many good sessions playing that last, was it last Christmas? With Sarah. She was here for about a week, and it was just her and I. And we would play it two, three times a day and just get super into it and have so much fun. And it's so tense as you're building up to get those 10 points and all these different things you can do. And then we started playing it. Sarah and I and Tim had like a run of two or three months where we'd play it every Friday night or Saturday night online. And so some of those games were just epic. Like it'd be back and forth and back and forth until the last round. And then you know, Tim would do something dumb or I'd backstab somebody and then Sarah would take the lead or Tim and I would just be, there was one where Tim and I were just duking it out. And Sarah was like, you guys are idiots. And she won by like five points while we, <laughs> Tim and I were taking each other out. There was one where, you know, Tim had this stupid little tiebreak card that he used after the last battle and it got him the two extra points. And I did something simple. So, so many dramatic fun moments from that game. And just every round, the way the flow of that game goes, every round you have this little battle for whatever little points or little bonuses. And I don't know, just a great game. So that one is up there. Brian Baru might be heading that way. I haven't had a chance to play it with anyone besides myself. Um, but that I looks like that a, one. Oh, it's um, Pierre Sylvester. He did uh, Koenig von Siam, King of Siam. The King is Dead second edition that just came out and he did. Um, so that's what he's most known for right now, but it's called Brian Brew high King of Ireland. And it's this area control game in Ireland. And it's like a trick taking game, but not really, you don't have to follow suit when somebody leads a card. And so it's kind of a hand management area control game with some neat little aspects. There's uh, like four little sub games that you're all playing too, in addition to the area control game. And it's not a direct fighty fighty game. It's a little more subtleties the whole way around. So it looks pretty neat. It's getting some press. It was getting some press. I think it released maybe a month ago. So I talked about it on a few of the episodes, but haven't really gotten a chance to play it with, you need three players to play it, uh, at least three or four players. So oh, it looks okay. fun. Yeah, it looks really fun. Do you and then, have a game? Oh, go ahead. I was going to say Star Wars Rebellion 2 is one of my favorites. The uh, uh, And that's just a two-player game. Have you played that one? No, but you guys have talked about it quite a bit on the podcast, and it makes me really want to try it. Tim is always poo-pooing it. Um, I don't know why. I think Chris would love it, but one side's the Empire, one side's the Rebellion, and it's a cat-and-mouse game. The Empire's trying to find... The, the hidden rebel base and the rebels are trying to do all these little 
these little tiny missions that seem pretty tough to accomplish to try to subvert the empire the whole time. So, you know, as the empire player, just like, where the heck is this rebel base? I got to find it and smash it. You have to all these ships and you can go kill everybody. And as a rebellion, you're like, oh my gosh, the empire is just going to destroy me. Am I going to live another round? I hope so. If I can just sneak this out, I might be able to get a couple little points here and make it a little tougher on the empire. And I might be able to survive. And that's all you have to do is the rebellion is just survive. Uh, so that game is great. It can go long, especially if you're playing with my dad who takes an hour per turn. But if you're playing with someone speedy, it can, you know, three hours, four hours, a good afternoon, evening game, especially if you're into the the Star Wars IP. But it's just a great game either way. Yeah, it sounds really cool to me. I Yeah, I'll have to try it someday. It's great. That's the, I, I feel like, there's a couple of Star Wars games that seem so cool, like Outer Rim and Imperial Assault. Those, mm-hmm. ah, all, all three of those Star Wars games to me just seem top notch. I I agree. I wouldn't mind trying any of those. Yeah. So, okay. What about you, Riley? What's your favorite? You probably said before, but I don't remember. What is your some of your top favorite games? Right now, it's Spirit Island. Is it? Yeah. I have you been playing so good. solo or with other players or how have you been doing it? Oh my goodness. I don't know if I've gotten to say this. I, uh, <laughs> so during the holidays, we went over to my sister-in-law's and we do like a couple days of gaming, which is awesome. Fantastic. But I broke that one out and it was really my first, I've played it with my brother and that went really well. Played it with my wife. That didn't go super well but she had a lot of distractions. And so we were doing a four player game. I was super excited about that, but it did not go well. Like I was having a blast, but I could tell everybody else wasn't. And at the end, you know, one person was like, I think I could get into this, my brother-in-law, but my sister-in-law was like, that was not fun. And we didn't even finish the game because it was getting late. I think you might've done a tweet about that. And I was like, I could totally see that the rules can be a bear and there's a lot of admin going on and maybe not too much action. So if you're not involved, if you don't know the game well, and you're not like, you know, actively thinking about what you can do on your turn, but I think it'd be great with the right group of four players. Cause you're like, Oh, I have a card that can do this. What can, can your guy handle these, these two dudes over here? Cause my card can do this. And someone else would be like, I can take care of all these guys on this Island with this <laughs> card right here. I just need two extra energy thingies or whatever. So, yeah, I think if you had the right group of people, that game would be fantastic at higher player counts. I've only ever done it solo with like two spirits. Is how I usually, is how I used to roll with that game. I haven't played it in such a long time. Oh, really? Yeah. Break it out. Let's go. I know, right? Um, yeah, I think it's such a fantastic game. My wife said she's she had more fun that second time we played it, but she still wasn't loving it. Okay. But she said she might be willing to try it again. And I think one of the keys is as the one teaching it, I need to pick a spirit that's really easy or somebody that I'm really familiar with. Yeah. And be able to like focus more so on helping the other players. Part of that is my fault for not like I took a medium weight and a new spirit for me because I was excited to play with all these expansion stuff. Sure. Uh, But yeah, live and learn. 
Okay, so Spirit Island is your current number. Yeah, one. and then Marvel Champions is another. Oh, you can't see it. It's just out of screen, out of frame. Okay. Uh, I have all of the content for that. And I, yeah, I really enjoy playing that one. I've heard so many good things. <laughs> I've heard so many good things about Marvel Champions. It sounds, it sounds really fun. Have you played Arkham Horror, the card game? I never have. Oh, that one's really good too. It might actually dethrone Marvel Champions if I can get more plays of it. Wow. And then anything uh, Ryan Lockett-wise, like near and far, that's that's a favorite for sure, too. Okay. Did you ever try Empires of the Void, too? I didn't, and I really want to because I love sci-fi. That Sci-fi is totally my my shindig. Okay. Is, there a, is it good? Have you played it? Yeah, it was one of the first games I bought. It's a little... Fiddly setup time is kind of a beast. There's this deck of cards you have to organize, and it's also like the timer for the game, and you have to set it up the right exact way. And there's a couple of other things. I forget exactly what you had to organize. But once you get it going, man, it is just a beautiful game, and there's so many different things you can do in that game. It's a little sandboxy, they say, but there's a lot of stuff you can do and a lot of fun to be had. The one disappointing thing about it was it seemed too short. Like you just got going and there's all this stuff you wanted to do and then it would end. So I was, you know, the few times I played, I was a little sad that it ended. felt like it ended too soon. Yeah. I actually feel that way about a lot of uh, Ryan Lockett games, Red Raven games, like uh, above and below. That one I feel like ends one round too early because it's the fun thing is to go below and explore. But you have to like build that up. And by the time you're able to actually go down there and be successful, it's the game's over. Okay. And actually uh, with, I know he listened to your show, Rick Lorenzen. Mm -hmm. Uh, He and I were talking about that and he said, I just homebrew it to give me one or two extra rounds because, because that's more fun. That's what I ended up doing too, because you have all these extra cards, depending on which factions are in the game. You can use those as kind of, I don't know, a few more of the timer cards as well too. So I, oh, nice. Yeah, the last play or last couple of plays, I was doing that too, because that game's fun. I want to keep it going. I don't want to stop. Yeah. And I think if, as long as everybody, if you're playing with other people, as long as everyone agrees to that, that's fine. I'm not a huge like home brewer, but occasionally it just needs it. It, it does. And you guys, man, homebrewing games is where it's at. I think, I don't know, the designer, the exploration part of me likes seeing what these little tweaks will do to a game and how it changes it. And yeah, I know it's not what the designer intended, but, you know, maybe he tried that too and maybe he had fun with it. You don't know. So I like all these little variations and seeing what a, a little tweak, what kind of small tweak we'll have on the overall effect of a game. I think that's kind of a neat thing to look at. I think that I was, I don't know if it was with Rick or somebody else. Cause Rick was here in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure that he met Ryan Lockett, but, or maybe it was somebody else in the design guild that I'm a part of, but they were telling me that he did try it that way. And while it was fun, they found that if they did it, cut it off short, like uh, if they cut it off slightly before, then it left you wanting more. And so that's what they ended up landing on is leave them wanting more rather than leaving them satisfied at the end. Ah, oh, see, like, I don't know. I'm going to come back if I feel fully satiated. Give me that fulfilling, you know, give me the the appetizer, the main course and the dessert. And I will come back for more and be fully satiated rather than just 
the appetizer and half the entree. I'm yeah, gonna right. Be like upset. I'm gonna be like, what? I, you have oh, a man. couple bites left of your steak, and they're like, okay, thanks. <laughs> You're like, no, no, no. <laughs> I wasn't done yet. <laughs> so, uh, um, have you yeah, tried Sleeping Gods? I have played it a couple times with my wife. I don't think she super loves it. So I might end up busting that one out solo. Have you played it yet? I have not. Uh -uh. Oh, yeah. It's a good one. Yeah, it's right here. Though that one's... uh, Like the way they do it is essentially, you know, you have eight characters and you just divide them amongst everybody. And that's how you play uh, multiplayer. Okay. Co-op. But it... To me, it's not super satisfying, but it, it, like it's fine. It's it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, the game overall is, seems really cool and satisfying. Just I, I wish that the multiplayer worked a little bit better. Okay, I hear or you. Or differently, like it felt. I don't even know how to describe it because it's been a couple months since I've played. Okay, but I feel like that's another one that's more about going through the book and exploring the map and going through the story and playing your way through the story. So yeah, that sandbox. There you go. What, what type of game is your preferred game? This is a, so high interaction games. I like games with high interaction. There's, there's a few games where the puzzle is enough for me. Gaia project lately played a few games of that with Tim and Jeff on board game arena And that puzzle was pretty fun to be able to exploit it and get all these points and hooray. But sitting at the table and having this interaction with the other people at the table where it's not about playing against the puzzle of the game. It's about playing against the people around you. I think that's the most fun for me. Nice. For sure. Yeah. That makes sense. And it's, you know, I don't like, I do like competition, but I like, you know, friendly competition, not like the mean spirited competition. I like that friendly kind of jivey competition. I like being able to maybe outwit somebody. I like see, I like getting outwitted, which is easy to do. Um, and I'm like, Oh, you totally, you totally got me. What happened? What did I, Oh man. And so I like going back and analyzing. I, I don't mind losing at all. As long as I had some fun, something interesting happened in the game, or I got to see some, somebody do some cool move. It took some, some foresight and some process and maybe a little setup. Uh, so things were, you know, anything, a game that provides those type of opportunities are, is my favorite kind of game. Yeah, that's really awesome. It's fun to have. I love those moments where you're just like, oh, I got you. I got you. Or like, oh, my gosh, you got me. I thought you were going to do something else. And right. You, did, you know, like. Right. Or if I, I had just gotten that one thing, I would have been able to do this other like five things. But you made that move and you took it from me. Oh, how could you? So, yeah, <laughs> I've been playing Targi on board game geek that game's great man yeah this is my first time playing i haven't even finished my first game yet Uh uh-huh but i'm already seeing the whole the appeal of it being like oh no if like should i sacrifice what i need to block what they need Mm -hmm. or do i just let them get what they need and take what i need and it's a it's an interesting balance in that game it's pretty neat so tim introduced me to that one i think i'm bringing tim over a little bit to the interactive side. And he even mentioned on one of the episodes how he was he's like, he's like, no, you know what? I think I do appreciate a game now that provides a little more of that interaction. And it isn't just strictly a heads down puzzle. And I was like, yeah, Tim, 
come on over. <laughs> See what yeah. it's like over here. <laughs> it's cool seeing the three of because there's five of you, but the three of you get together most. Uh, Tim, right. Chris, and you. Mm. And it's interesting hearing the evolution. Well, sometimes the backwards evolution, the de-evolution <laughs> for me uh, of. You know, one episode, Chris will be like, oh, you know, I'm really starting to get into Azul or I'm starting to get into these Euros with with lame themes or whatever, uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, because he's a very thematic gamer. And Tim being like, oh, no, now I'm starting to get into this type of game that I'm not into. You know, <laughs> I don't want to get into this thematic game, but it's drawn me in or. Right. But he likes thematic Euros, which. Yeah, apparently yeah, there totally. are some and I'm learning. Yeah. And and it's fun exploring all those things with these guys. It's it's been a blast. What do you think you've grown into? Gosh, that's a good or question. It, You're just like, nope, they haven't taught me anything. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I like again, I'll go back to I like trying any game and I like being able to kind of dissect the mechanisms in games and seeing how they all relate to each other. So the more games we play, the more I've been I don't know, maybe being able to identify, I like trying to identify novelty in games or something I haven't seen or something that stands out. So if I see something like that and that gets me pretty excited and I don't know if I'm trying to think if I have, I'm sure, you know, probably Chris and Tim would have better answers to how my tastes have changed. It's a little bit harder for me to look at myself, I think, and be like, Oh, this is definitely what's been growing on me. So yeah, I don't know. Is the short answer to that question. (laughs) 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 <laughs> that's great hey you know it's the slow change it's like uh you know you may not notice your hair growing long and then all of a sudden it's long yeah exactly uh, you see and someone has to tell you day. yeah yeah exactly and someone tell you dude your hair is way too long and out of control you need to get that handled man go get a haircut yeah <laughs> you're like oh i didn't even notice it's been right. growing slowly every day i see it just the same know, imperceptible uh, a little behind the scenes of, I'm wondering who takes the longest on their turns? Who takes the longest <laughs> turns? I feel like this is a very leading question here, Riley. It's There's a clear answer here. You. And it's Chris. It's Chris. Oh, okay. I thought for sure, by the way, you were like hesitant about answering. <laughs> Not to throw anyone under the bus. It's definitely it's definitely Chris, which is fine. We all, we all know that and expect that. But... So for TimCon, for instance, uh, Tim and Steve and I were there the day before Chris got there. And we whipped through like, I don't know, 10 games or something just because we all get this flow going. We get, you know, we're thinking about our turns. By the time we're up, we're like, all right, I'm going to do this. Boom, 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 boom. And we're done. We all have it planned out. And with the three of us, we just go and crank through a game. And then... Chris, sometimes he'll get to telling stories or BSing about something, something, or maybe he's just zoned out. I don't know what he's doing over there. And he'll be like, oh, oh, it's my turn. We've been sitting there for like five, 10 minutes already. And we'll be like, Chris, it's your turn, man. What are you doing? He's like, oh, I didn't even know it was my turn. What are you doing over there? It's been (laughs) silence for five minutes while we're waiting for you. Oh, Chris, come on. So uh, Chris, man, I love you, buddy. Sometimes you take a little bit long on your turns, but sometimes he'll focus down and he'll be ready to go and crush us. You know how uh tabletopia has a little timer going and he'll take great pride when his time is the lowest. And <laughs> he'll be like, you know, 
that's a, a point of trash talking that he'll proudly display when he take awesome. the fewest time and destroyed us. Yeah. Typically Chris <laughs> takes the longest turns, but you know, we all have our time when, Oh, what, what happened? You know, they totally threw a wrench in my plans. Now I have to think about this and I'm trying to salvage. I'm trying to backtrack a little bit, but no, it's definitely Chris. He is. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I ask is because my wife uh, always gives me crap for how long I take on my turns. So I ah. feel you, Chris, but it's usually because I'm so focused and I'm, like earlier, you were talking about the whole, you know, oh, if I move the, the bishop, then that could open up this, which could move this, you know, thinking all these moves in the, oh, if I move the knight, uh, blah, 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 blah. If I do all these things, mm-hmm. then I end up just getting stuck in that loop of thinking like 10 turns ahead, but it's yeah. not a fast process. Yeah. So. And that's, man, that's where Tim and Steve and I, I think we get into this this nice flow where we like that. We like it just part of the fun is just keeping it going around and around and around and having that nice just flow going. So when the three of us get going, it's just, it cruises right along sometimes. And that's just a nice feeling. So I wonder how that feels actually. And that <laughs> got me really excited to play games with people who are very experienced with games. It would be cool to play a four player game of like near and far or uh Azul or something where everybody is very familiar with the game. I don't have to teach it while playing it. And so I can think about my turn while other people are playing. Cause normally I don't get to think about my turn. I have to like focus and really make sure that people are understanding the game. Right. Cause I'm right. always it's a, a teacher. Yeah. It's a blast when you get that going and it's just, you know, right around and around and around you go people are just taking their turns and you're like excited for your turn to come up. Boom. And you go, yeah, it's a neat, it's a really cool feeling. I love it. I, I don't know why that never dawned on me. Like, oh, that is something that happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Uh, yeah. Anyway, well, let's talk about what you do outside of board games. All right, let's do it. So I am a pilot. I've been a pilot since uh, 2004. I started flying airplanes. I was with the Air Force for just over 10 years. And now I fly commercially and it's, and it's great. Just this morning or last night I flew, I picked up a, an extra shift and, um, and flew out, got some people out to Florida and then flew back home this morning. And, uh, and it's a blast. I love it. I love my job. We used to fly to Salt Lake all the time, but we, uh, we used to fly out of Long Beach all the time. We, we stopped flying out of Long Beach and now we're strictly out of LAX, at least on the West coast. Um, well, you know, LAX and, but that's our hub on the West coast, LAX. So we still go all over the country and to England and stuff now too. But, um, man, I used to fly to Salt Lake a couple times a month. Well, that's awesome. Not so much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, if you ever make it out here, you got along, I don't know. You probably don't have layovers cause you just fly the plane land and then fly again. Right. No, we have layovers all the time. So, um, yeah, it depends. So usually the Salt Lake layovers happen if I fly out to the East Coast, like New York or Florida or something. Then we fly, we'll fly back towards the West to Salt Lake and maybe spend the night there. And then we'll fly back, maybe back to the West Coast and up and down before we end in LA. But yeah, occasionally, occasionally there's, uh, yeah, we got the hotel there right by the convention center and, um, you're in Salt Lake, correct? Or yeah, outskirts? Or? We used to live like 
10 minutes away from the airport. We're probably like 15, 20 minutes away now. But okay. yeah. if you ever land there and you, yeah, you're welcome to come over and play some games. I will I will hit you up for sure. Some late night gaming. We stay. Oh, no, we don't want to keep a pilot up too late. You know, you got to focus on those tailwinds and birds <laughs> not hitting ducks. Great point. Peace, whatever it so is. you so you're a pilot, too. It sounds like you've flown before from from oh, the vernacular yeah, you're throwing yeah. out. Yeah. OK. <laughs> Um, staying up late isn't necessarily a bad thing. We're, we're flying red eyes all the time. So sometimes it's oh, that's true. good to get my brain caged for staying up late. Yeah. Well, that's cool. On one of those, any of those layovers, do you ever bring a board game with you or like, uh, introduce it to crew or anything? I thought about it. Like, so like little card games, Airland and sea or something that, you know, two or three or four people could play that will fit inside my little bag. So I've been thinking about the right game to bring maybe Skull. I heard Skull is a great one in that kind of situation. I've never actually played that game. I've heard good things, but I've never played it. But yeah, I'm trying to find the right game that could fit into that kind of scenario. So if you have any suggestions, Airland and Sea is one of the best ones I can think of. It's simple, easy to explain. I don't know if you've played that one. It's pretty quick and it's fun. A little bit of strategy and uh, it's a great game, actually. Hmm. I'll have to check that one out. I mean, you, yeah. there's small box. Welcome to, right? Like you could, that's a small box. Totally. Or I don't, I guess I'd have to think on it, but yeah. Right. Yeah, really, I love Rome. Rome is one of my favorite games to show people. I don't know that one. It's, it's a pretty small box, but it's essentially like Tetris where you are placing pieces and there's six cards with six spaces or no, eight spaces on them. I think it's eight spaces. And once that card is filled, whoever has the most pieces on it gets that card and it adds to their party. And once you get 10 card, 10 members in your party, you're done. But the the new card you got get has a new shape. And now you can use that shape when you're filling in places. Okay. Yeah. It's just, it's really simple and interesting. Perfect. But that's a fun one. Anyway, uh, would you, how do you feel this, I'm getting sidetracked. I'm all excited about this pilot talk. <laughs> How do you feel about certain games like Pan Am? I love Pan Am and I've gone out and tried to find games about flying or airline routes or whatever. And there's, there's a handful of them. I don't know. I think I've bumped into five or six, but I love Pan Am. I think it's a great game. I should, I want to play more. I found a game, this old game called Jet Set, where it's kind of like, ticket to ride where you collect you know destinations point a to point b and then you try to grab the routes that connect those destinations it's all across europe for the most part so you're trying to connect for instance london to madrid or i don't know oslo to istanbul or something like that so you can you build little routes here and there and connect them all up and uh and then you do it interesting yeah. And there's not that many. There's a, there's a, a few others that I've seen, but I've heard they're not that good. So I haven't really pursued them more, but yeah, Pan Am's great. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like some people are like, Oh, I wouldn't want a job or a, a game based on my career. Well, but you're passionate about your career, right? I love flying airplanes. Flying airplanes are cool, man. Give me more board games about airplanes. I'll buy them all. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, 
Yeah, what's cooler than flying airplanes? Flying spaceships. <laughs> there you go. I am. That's, our, that's why I like a lot of spaceship games. Maybe yeah. you know what games I don't like though are like war games. I really have no passion for war games or like air battles. And I know that a lot of people do have passions for that kind of stuff, but. I spent so much time flying circles over Afghanistan and being in that stuff, like too much for real. It's just not a fun, it kind of, I don't know if it, for me, it seems like it normalizes it too much or it gamifies it. It definitely gamifies it. You're making a board game out of stuff. And I can see that maybe people will say it's like a tribute to the people that did that. And that you learn the history of it and you're acknowledging that it was an actual thing. And if it does it well, it can be, you know, kind of a, an homage to, horrible things that have happened but to me i just i don't know i don't have a i don't have a taste for it yeah that makes a lot of sense and that's really interesting to hear because uh, yeah it's hard to gamify certain things like i have a lot of mental health and i like passion about mental health things and and i like to design games and so a lot of my game ideas come from like oh how would i design a game about being bipolar oh how would i design a game about being adhd and and I'll start designing these games to try and like uh, give people an idea of what it feels like to be in the day of a life with somebody like that. And then I'll show it to my wife and she's like, Ooh, like, I don't love that you're gamifying this experience. Like it, it's, it, it's kind of triggering or something like that. And it's like, Oh, okay, well I can retheme it. And now it's a fantasy game, <laughs> but it's a tight, it's a tightrope, right? Cause I think that'd be yeah. thoroughly interesting as someone who, either doesn't have mental illness or doesn't acknowledge that he has mental illnesses to be, (laughs) (laughs) to be exposed to something. I would love to know whether it's through a game or other means what that's like. And it would be, you know, make it more maybe approachable and something that I'd be able to, I don't know, uh, talk about more when it came up or if it did came up or I wouldn't feel so like uneasy about it. I'd be like, Oh, okay. I have a little bit of experience with this and, and then I sound like a, a nerd now because I'm like, oh, I play a board game about mental illness so I can talk to you. You know, that, that doesn't sound right either. So yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for comparing. Yeah, thanks for your help. Of, of therapy. To, no, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Right. So now I just sound insensitive. Whoops. No, no, no. But, but I mean, that's the idea, right, is getting people to empathize with it or which I could see if a war game was done right. I've never really played war games cause I'm not really, um, yeah, like I don't love all that stuff, I guess. Right. The closest I get is PAX Pamir and that's one that's eight about the war in 1800s Afghanistan. I think that's just a cool game mechanism wise and component wise. And it does have a lot of the areas that I've flown over throughout my air force oh, career. Yeah. So, it's nice to relate that back and see the history of maybe what's led to a lot of the stuff happening modern day over there. So that part I find interesting, but like stuff that's still like happening and there's board games about it. That's like, wow. Okay. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to think about that. Yeah. That is really interesting. It, it's definitely a discussion worth having. All right. Uh, um, but we're not going to ha- go more on it because I was going to move on. Uh, <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah. <laughs> what else do you do outside of board games and flying? I do a lot of, I, sp- I like to spend time with 
my kids and with Sarah. I don't have much time to do that right now. That's why the house is getting renovated. Everybody's going to be here hopefully within six months and I'll be able to hang out and do everything. If I had no responsibilities, I'd be going hiking and going to the beach and be going snowboarding and playing around in the mountains, um, getting outdoors, traveling, trying to stay healthy and exercise a lot. Because Speaking of mental health, I find that exercise helps my mental state tremendously. So even if it's like a run or, I don't know, 15 push-ups, even that little of moving around exercising just clarifies my mind and, and helps me focus and feel a lot better. Um, so that's some of the stuff I'm into. Very cool. I don't have cool hobbies like Chris where he's, he's like a, he's got all these tiki mugs back there. He's like a pinball master and and Tim like flips houses when he's bored. I know. Uh, so <laughs> like <laughs> you and I are renovating right now our houses, but it's not like a fun project necessarily. Right. Right. Exactly. This isn't like, Ooh, yeah, this is what I want to do. <laughs> so as most of your, in your spare time, you are, you're doing this game design thing. I've thought about trying to design a game and then I'm always like, Ooh, that's hard. Oh yeah. I was going to ask you about that earlier when you sort of talked about the design aspect. So is that what you're doing? What do you spend most of your side time doing? Uh, editing this podcast. <laughs> that really- <laughs> It seems like that. Uh, and with the bunkers and badasses, that's taking a lot of time to edit too. So I really yeah. feel like that's a lot of my time. But we mostly, my wife and I watch TV. So we just finished all of Law & Order SVU. Wow. All like 24 seasons or whatever. Wow. And now she's starting Grey's Anatomy. Really, I just watch whatever she wants to watch. Okay. Uh, so now we're watching Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> All right. All right. I've, I've been watching The Expanse. Speaking of sci-fi, that oh. just ended. That was a great, a great show. Have, did you finish it? I've read all the books and all watched all the shows. So, yeah. Okay. So I haven't seen the last season yet. Okay. So, I'm, ex- I'm very excited, but I'm, my wife has been kind of on the cusp of saying, yeah, I'll give it a try. And so, I've been okay. holding off. It's pretty thr- thrilling. I wish they could have stretched out more episodes. It's only six episodes. So, that's oh, kind of sad. Man. That yeah. is sad. Yeah. But, but it's good. It's satisfying. Good episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Satisfying. I've yeah. heard it's a satisfying yeah. ending. It's pretty good. Good. Yeah. Are you, are you into TV shows? Do you love watching TV? I, you know, it depends if I think it's a good show. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the expanse was a good one. I've had people suggest Ted Lasso to me and I uh, finally watched Ted Lasso. It is amazing. Right. I don't know what I'll, I'll go watch episodes of 30 rock still. Uh. Yes. That's a great show. But I'm always looking for a new TV show. Sure. Same. I, yeah. I'm probably obsessed with TV though. And then going back to the podcast, I, this is kind of a, a newer hobby for me that I wanted to kind of jump into the editing and see how that goes. So that's been fun learning all the software and trying to get, trying to get good, trying to get better at editing us. So we don't sound like total morons when we talk on the show. Way that's to bring really fun. Way to bring that up because I said before we officially started, we were talking about it and I was like, well, I want to talk about this on the show. Totally forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Does it get overwhelming? So you're saying you're doing your other podcast and you have five tracks. I feel like the number of tracks is kind of an exponential multiplier. Almost Um, five tracks seems like a lot, man. Is is it getting overwhelming at all? Are you still enjoying it or is it, does it work? The nice thing is, 
that I can tell there'll, there'll be certain parts where I'm like, okay, this is going to be a bunch of dice rolling. And so I can just kind of skip through, cut everything in between and then smash it together and make it fit. But it's like the first episode started out with, it was two hours and 50 minutes. And so I had to like go through and cut that down. And I think when I was done, it was an hour and 45 minutes. So I cut out two hours worth of stuff. It's a lot of editing, Riley. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. And so this next session is probably started out around two hours, a little over two hours. And right now I'm looking at it and it's at an hour and 40. It's a lot of work, but it's really entertaining. That's the nice thing about this one is that we're doing this story and really silly stuff happens or really like I can't predict what people are going to do. And then they just do something really funny and we all break and laugh and And even while I'm editing, there was one part where I was literally cry laughing and I had to stop editing for like 10 (laughs) minutes because I could not stop laughing at the dumb joke that was made. That's great. Um, But I have a really bad memory, too. So sometimes it's nice to edit and just hear a conversation. Like by the time I get to editing your pod, your this episode next week, I will have forgotten probably most of our conversation. Right. A lot of the time I feel like I'm working harder on trying not to sound like a moron than what I'm actually saying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but how do you feel? Because you edited, we talked about that. You edited uh, edited the majority of the beginning, like the first half of, I guess, first right. half for now. So it was a process for sure. I got the software and watched some videos on things to do to make it sound good. And... I watched this guy and the way he works, the way he like scrolls and he's so coordinated and masterful in the way he could just manipulate the the interface and copy paste and cut and slice and bring it all together. So I was like, I want to get as good as that guy. So two, three, four episodes in, I was, I felt like I had that kind of maneuverability. It's like when you get good at tabletop simulator, I don't know if you played that, but you sort of figure out all the mouse clicks and you can have the keyboard shortcuts over here and the mouse over here, whatever. So it's been fun and I've gotten it down to, I'm still probably not the fastest, but if we record for an hour and typically there's three of us, so three tracks, and if we talk for an hour, usually it takes about three hours to chop up one hour of editing for me. So it's still a little bit of work, but same thing. I enjoy the end product and how it sounds and taking out all those ums and ahs and making it flow and having a nice you know, you get that immediate product that you can go listen to. Usually once I'm done, I'm like, heck yeah, I'm going to upload this. I'm going to get on my phone. I'm going to go for a little jog and listen to us and see how we sound. And and that's really rewarding for me. So that's something I've been enjoying doing tremendously. It's fun to listen to. Yeah, like I totally feel you. The I remember my first time editing, it was so slow. It was like a six-hour thing for an hour, you know? Yeah. And... Being able to just cut that down more and more. Uh, I think that I probably take about three hours for an hour, hour and a half. Okay. So it's, I'm glad to hear that it's similar for other people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. What do you yeah. use to edit? What program? Uh, FL Studio. So oh, okay. It's, um, Did you buy? That one's a buy. Uh, it's a, I bought it. It was 200 bucks, and they do all kinds of updates, and they have a bunch of free plugins. You can, you can buy more plugins and do – I don't even know what to do. But there's plugins if that's your thing. Um, 
for and music. it's great. I use it. Oh, well, so actually, go, I guess there's plugins for like talking too, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So going back to the hobby thing, I also bought it because I record music sometimes. Oh. And yeah, so I heard you talk about your bands and you record music and, or at least you used to, I don't know if you still are, but it's a good music editing software. It has all these different effects and it has, so FL stands for fruity loops. So you can loop, you can build in little, you know, house beats or whatever. And the, actually the audio on the show, board game hot takes is stuff that I made using that software as well. So that's cool. I, yeah, I have a keyboard, and so I'll plug that in, a little amp, and that goes in there so we can directly record audio on there. And then you can build in, you can build little drum beats. They have all these drum kits. They have all these synths that you can put on there. They have, like, any instrument that you could possibly imagine. And you can also just go and download more packs of these instruments, too, if you're inclined. So that's been great software, and I've had so much fun exploring that. And I got that software because I'd use it way back in the day too, just to kind of mess around with and see what it's like. And I had fun with it. And this guy that was talking to me, all his videos, his tutorials are done using that software too. So it's, it's really nice, really convenient. Well, I might have to check that out then. It's pretty good. I just use what's free for me. (laughs) I mean, if that's working for you, then no need to change. Yeah. There's one that I really, really want called Descript. Have you heard of this one? No. What's that one got? So it will do the, like you import your audio and it'll do a, oh, what do you call that? Where it like scripts it. It'll, it'll transcribe it. Oh, wow. And then you can just edit, like it has an uh, um filter. And so I can just click that uh, um and it edit it super duper tightly. No way. And it, it's incredible because it gets the uh, ums that I can't get out. Like it, it came with a, I think you get three hours of free, um, like a uh, free um, trial. Reduction. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and so it was just, it saved me so much time on my editing. I, there, it still left like a couple, uh, ums that were a little trickier or just maybe they were set a little bit differently, but then you can also just go through and edit out words. Uh, so like I could go in and I could type a word and it'll try and mimic my like my voice to match. Wow. That's amazing. There. And it's, it is crazy, but it's a subscription service. And, mm. and so it's like 300 bucks a year type thing. Okay. And I have a harder time justifying that. <laughs> yeah. This, this one was just the, the one purchase and it does have a couple of similar things. You can grab a piece of audio and you can run a filter to edit that out. So usually I use that for like background noise or something. If, I have background noise in my track. I'll just take some dead space, record that a little clip of that, and then it'll filter out all the dead space to try to make it sound nice and quiet and nice. Whoa. and Yeah. So that's a pretty good. So now you got me thinking, can I grab one of my ums and filter out the rest of my ums? I might have to Ooh, try it. Riley. If that yeah. works, let me know. Yeah. I'll have to try that. Cause that would be a selling point. Something I can buy once and then I can just use it permanently. I hate subscription things. I know, right? Unless it's something cool like, uh, like <laughs> there's an uh, uh. <laughs> like board game arena, like board game arena. Yeah, that's what I was think trying to think of. I couldn't think of the word. <laughs> uh, but what kind of instruments do you play? So I started out. Uh, my dad got me a ukulele, and then I went to guitar, and then I 
went to, there was always a piano at the house growing up. My dad played piano. My dad played everything. My mom played violin. So there's all these instruments at the house growing up. So now mostly just guitar and bass and a keyboard. But I went to Ireland a couple years ago and I bought this little concertina. So I like these little fascinating instruments from different cultures, a little concertina. I bought a charango. It's a Peruvian string instrument that was, you know, historically class traditionally made with a shell of an armadillo as the the guitar bell oh. but this one is just made out of wood but the back of the wood is shaped like a little armadillo is carved out so it's pretty cute and it has that high pitch if you can think of like i don't know peruvian andean music with the little f- flutes there's always that high little sounding string instruments that's a charango uh, what else? So mostly string instruments, string instruments, and a little bit of piano. What do you? So what do you play? You play like, weren't you in a death metal band or something, Riley? No. What's? <laughs> yeah, it was a hair metal band, but it's okay. Oh, no, no. I've never had super long hair. No, I was. I always played kind of punk alternative. Like my first band was an MXPX cover band. Nice. Uh, and then Green Day cover band. Uh, but then more so now what I do is just acoustic alternative. Okay. I was recording an album before I got married and then decided I didn't want to go on tour and get married, like, and be away from my wife and just be in like the whole bar scene and stuff. Right. It's not really my scene, but yeah, yeah, it was fun. Are you, so are you still, you still keep up with music? You still play? So do you record ever or what? I recorded the intro to my, my new intro. I heard that. Yeah. (laughs) So that was kind of fun. That's like the first real musical thing I've done. Well, I don't know. It was, it was just goofing off, but it was fun. When did that debut on the, um, on the Tim and Phil episode? Oh, it might've been. I don't remember. Because I heard that and I was like, this is different. This has got to be Riley rocking out. This is cool. So my cousin does, he like, uh, we'll enter contests and competitions to make like soundtrack music and, and make really cool sounding things. But I I told him like, I'll pay you to make me something for this. And I told him what the podcast was and the couple of things I wanted. And he never got back to, well, he said he would do it, but he just got so busy. He also works in the hospital. So <laughs> I like how you're saying at first, like he never got back to me, that jerk. Yeah. Should have kept, kept going with that. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, but then eventually he, yeah, I just was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this for a filler. And now I think I might just keep it because a couple people have been, people have seemed to like it. Okay. I don't know. I'm so fun about it because it's, I was just being silly. Well, it's fun, man. You can, now you have an out, you got your own show, man. You can do whatever you want with it. You I can, know, right? You can change it up every season if you want. I know. Change the theme music, man. You can add, I don't know, do whatever you want with it, man. I think it sounds great and it's a good outlet right that's one of the fun things about having a podcast doing a podcast creative exactly yeah but i i just play the guitar i don't play anything else don't say just play the guitar come on man you play this um, it's six string instrument requires precision point true what is that precision point? power chords that's all i do well that's all you need really I'm lazy about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm, like everything that I do, I am lazy. I try to do the laziest version of everything. Was it a, a laziness is the spawns innovation? I think that's what they say. Ooh, that's very true because it's like you have to think about, okay, what's the most efficiently lazy way I can do this? 
Exactly right. Dang, I've never heard that before. Mm-hmm. That's my new life motto. There you go. You're you're not lazy. You're innovative all the time. Yeah, exactly. You get it. I that's. <laughs> I don't know if I want my pilot to be lazy, but whatever. You know. <laughs> I didn't say that. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, well, let's start to wrap up here with ridiculous theme. With ridiculous theme, we try to come up with a theme that we think would be ridiculous for a board game. Doesn't have to be a dumb or bad idea. It's just something that we think would be silly. So I've listened to the show a couple of times and I've heard you talk about it. And then I'll come up with one. I'll be like, oh, I have this perfect ridiculous theme. And then now that you're asking me about it, I, I can't think of it, of course. So I don't know, Riley. I got to give me some of your previous ridiculous themes while I try to muster up one you know, that I had in my brain. Or... I'll give you one I came up just for you. Okay. It's it's more focused. And I'm not sure if this would just be a maybe a co-op game or a or a solo game of pilot announcements, you know, like you come <laughs> on and you have to do the, like, uh, thank you for oh flying <laughs> plane <There's>... company. <laughs> the weather is 32 degrees. Please put your tray tables in the overhead compartments and it's uh, overhead cloudy skies and you will be snoozing and the flight attendants seatbelts turbulence. See you on the ground. <laughs> don't forget to sit back relax and no smoking signs you know all the cliches like there's all the same phrases so yeah just jumble them up that's pretty good so i'm not sure exactly what it would be but like like maybe there during the flight something will come up and you have to make the announcement at the right time if you do it too early maybe it'll make pan- people like panic and it wouldn't be a thing and i could I see know. something where you take a profession if they have like these cliche things that they say, so for like pilots, uh, no smoking signs, c- cigarette tables, tray tables up, watch out for turbulence, cruising out to flight level 350. You take all these and chop them up into little segment phrases like, you know, refrigerator magnets. I don't know, some sort of like set collection just to stick it in Tim's face Ooh. where you'd have to make a coherent sentence and, you know, then you could vote. I don't know if it would be like a, cards against humanity that wasn't stupid you know make an awesome like sentence with different cliche sayings from different professions maybe that would work or maybe that's pretty boring i don't know maybe that already exists i could see something like that that would be an interesting thing uh is that by the way is that your announcer voice your overhead voice how do i do it i try to go i try to go a little lower i think everyone (laughs) ladies and gentlemen from the flight deck this is your first officer i'll be Flying and assistant to the captain. Um, yeah, that's <laughs> that's awesome. I try not. I try not to go too crazy with it. I try just. I try just be me up there. You don't do any of the long us. No, gosh, no. When I hear that, when I'm a passenger and I hear them do it, I'm like, "What are you doing? Is that for real, or is that how you talk?" Some of these pilots need to take some vocal training because it is. <laughs> it's bad, right? Like. Who are these guys? Who let them have a, a PA system? Got to take it away. Just let them fly the plane. Don't <laughs> let them talk. Yeah, you could. The stewardesses, or you know, or what do you call them now? Ho, uh, the flight attendants, in-flight crew. I don't know. There's all these different names. Yeah, they could do. They already are making announcements, kind of, right? 
helping. They, they're already doing it. Yeah. Every once in a while, I guess, yeah, a, a pilot voice could be soothing or something, but usually it's just like, uh, come on, dude, don't care. <laughs> yeah. Like you're interrupting my show here. Exactly. I'm trying to watch law and order SVU episode 22 <laughs> and you're messing it up for me. Yeah. It pauses the screen as soon as you oh, come on. And now I have so to wait. So <sighs> frustrating. Yeah. I can see how much time is left on this episode and I can see how much time we have to our arrival and it's it's a close one already. You're messing this up. <laughs> All right, so I'm still thinking about crazy themes. I there already is one, right? Where you like make a rock band and you try to go on tour or something. I think it'd be fun. So Chris was touching on this with his he said Aerosmith for one time when he was talking with Jamie Stegmeyer, and that didn't make any sense. But I went with that. I was like, okay, you could have all these different aspects of a band try to make it big on a tour and it can be like an engine builder. Right. So maybe you start with this, maybe you start with like a, a roadie who is horrible and just wants to like get drunk and, and smoke weed all the time. Then you upgrade that guy to like a manager and you upgrade that guy to like an agent. And then you have your guitars, right? So you have to upgrade your guitar from this, this crappy old pawn shop fender to like a, Fender Stratocaster could be like the top one or whatever. Same thing with your drum set. Eventually it has to be a Zigidon or whatever those are called. So you, you know, you're upgrading all your musical instruments and you're going to these different venues. By the end of it, you're going to from the little pub scene, then you're going to like, I don't know. Madison Square Garden. Madison Square Garden. Yankee Stadium or something. Yeah, Yeah, you're playing shows at these giant arenas and selling out. Playing the halftime show. Yeah, there you go. So, you know, all these little bonuses could come in there. And maybe you got some backup dancers this time. Or you got pyrotechnics going on. And you made some extra money from the show this time. Or you overspent and your show was a dud. Or, you know, something crazy happened. Or, I don't know, you can have all these events. It started raining at halftime and and Prince was there. And it was the best show ever. Um, (laughs) Uh, I like that. And I... When you talk about like having a crappy roadie and starting off with that. So almost some worker placement aspects where maybe there's like roles you need to fill in your band and you can replace those roles. So it's like, you'll always have a roadie, but how good of a quality roadie will you have? You can be like a stronger roadie. Yeah. Yeah. Is there like a, a worker placement where the workers themselves get stronger? So, you you know, you engine build the workers. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking of. Like, if you can build build on the workers. Uh, yeah, that'd be kind of neat. I'm trying to think if there's games like that. That's a cool idea. There we go. Probably tricky. We sort of, very briefly, you brought up talking about how you wanted to get into design. And is it hard? And I think I, I don't know what happened there. But you totally should just, I mean, it it goes to like, you like to homebrew games. We talked about that. And that's Mm -hmm. how I started designing was I was homebrewing Marvel Legendary. And then I was homebrewing something else. And and it's just made me think, well, why don't I just make this my own game? Like I can take these mechanics and make my own thing with it. Right. And yeah, it's, it's not really hard. You just think about things and, and start making it tear up I'm pieces sure, of paper and start implementing it. I'm sure it's like most things. It seems hard when you don't 
put any effort into it. But then once you start getting into it, laying down the framework and then give yourself a starting point of reference, then you can go from there. Yeah. And I don't know. We talked about Arc Nova recently on one of the shows and that's all you can tell that guy pulled just these mechanisms that he liked from a bunch of different games and fit them together in this nice little package. So yeah, you find yourself what you like to do and a theme you like and, and make it happen. Maybe it's not that hard. I don't know. I don't know. You should totally play in that, play with the space, you know, like do it, be a designer, do it. (laughs) Once I get some time, I, if I, uh, if I sit down and have some time, I would love to. Absolutely. Oh, whatever. You just throw on autopilot and start doing it right in the cabin. <laughs> so For smart. The- Why didn't I think of that? That's a great idea. <laughs> the cockpit. Sorry, not the cabin. The flight deck. The flight deck, really. That's oh, is that called. what it's called? Yeah, the flight deck. Dang it. All right. Yeah. I've been found out. I'm not really a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> just a grade A bullshitter. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that that covers everything. Yeah. Is there anything you want to talk about? I don't think so. I just, again, thanks for having me on and letting me be on. I appreciate you letting me ramble. Uh, oh, sorry. It was freezing on me. Oh, I, I just said, appreciate you letting me ramble. Okay. I just wanted you to praise me more as all. No. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and plug your stuff? Yeah. So, I'm Adam. I co-host Board Game Hot Takes with Tim and Chris. We try to record weekly and we release shows every Monday. We're on the social meds, the social meds. Is that what the kids say? Yeah. Nobody says that. Nobody says that. Are you? Um, Okay. I need to sidetrack for just one second. Sure. Are you the youngest of the group? By far. It's not even close. Okay. That's kind Um, of what I thought. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, so um, Tim's a couple years older and Chris is a couple years older. But yeah, we're all we're all 40 to 50 range. 80, something like 80 that. 80 octogenarians. Yeah, so we release on Mondays. We're most active on Twitter. And usually that's just mostly Tim on Twitter. But we're also on Board Game Geek and a little bit of Facebook. And a teeny little bit on Instagram too. And that's us, Board Game Hot Takes. Does Jen run the Instagram? She, I guess she's put up about 15 pictures, she said, on Instagram. Okay. But yeah, that's Jen. <laughs> Thanks. The favorite. The favorite. The number one. Yeah. Everyone's favorite. <laughs> the, uh, what's her, the entertainment is what her oh, name was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, is that what I, what does she put? She puts, I don't know, some little clever name every time she's on the podcast. It's always a joy when Jen's on. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Adam, for coming on. It was a lot of fun getting to know you. I have, I feel like I've completed part of the set. You know, those three, Adam, Chris, Tim, they're all like the main three. They're the most consistent. But now, now I just want more. Now I've got to have Jen on and I've got to have Steve on. We'll see. We'll see what happens. If you haven't listened to Board Game Hot Takes, seriously, one of my favorite podcasts, top two, top two. It's one of the ones that I listen to as soon as it comes out, uh, as soon as possible, at least. And last week they did Merchants of the Dark Road. It was a really, really good review, like very helpful. And (laughs) and then next week it looks like they're doing Brass Birmingham, which I'm really interested in. And I've heard things about it, so I'm 
I'm excited to hear what they think about it. My brain is fried. And so is my body because we started renovating and I've been tearing up floors all day and tearing down walls and taking down baseboards. It's just fun. I'm excited. I'm excited for the change. Excited to make the house ours and how we want it. Anyway, that's a side ramble. If you enjoyed the show, follow wherever you're listening Go review on Apple Podcasts. Give a five stars and a written review is even more appreciated. It helps other people see the podcast. It will throw it into the recommendations. I am so grateful for the three written reviews right now. They are incredibly kind and it just fills my heart with so much joy that people took the time to write those reviews. So thank you. And thank you everyone else who rated it five stars. Thank you. Thanks to the one person who gave me a two star. I wish there was some feedback with that so that I could maybe fix some things. If there's anything you think I could do better on, then you can always message me, DM me, at me on Twitter, at RyledNerd. Email me, the board game community show at gmail.com. And next week we'll be with Chris Barrows again, and we will be doing a topic episode which is introducing people to board games. I'm really excited about it. It was a lot of fun to talk to him about it. And his channel is a great channel, the Tabletop Express. You check it out on YouTube. You can get a little sneak peek kind of by looking at the modern games. And that's a fun segment. And um, I might be guesting on that next month. We'll see. That's all I got. So... Until next week, keep nerding out. A fond memory related to board games. Yeah, so I do have a fond memory related to board games. We talked about pick up and deliver, deliver, and one game that is in my collection that I got to play with my mom was Firefly. So I introduced her to the show. She loved the show, watching that, and they also made a board game of it. And it wasn't anything special, but I got to play it with my mom right before she passed away. And we had, you know, we'd sit there and it was, again, just to hang out, sit at the table, roll some dice, move around, try to do this mission. And so playing board games with my mom is just, brings back warm, fuzzy feelings. Like I said earlier, going back to Triominoes, to to Mr. Big Mouth. You could tell that she cared about me and wanted to develop my brain and make me a better human being. And part of her small way of doing that was hanging out with me and playing these little board games and introducing these little puzzles and and watching me develop and so i just want to say thank you mom for all that i love you tons and tons and i miss you